0: Hey, good morning everyone. Uh, really excited to be with you guys to, as Ben Kai just said, close out the book of Mark. So if you have your Bible, open it up to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. You know, it was on September 27th, 2020, that we had our first Sunday service at Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. That was almost a year ago. And I said on that first Sunday out there in the parking lot, if you were with us, to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and I read from verse 1 that says, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And today, on September 5th, 2021, I'm saying it again. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, only this time chapter 16. And we could say, the end of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God but here's the thing as we're going to learn today the gospel has not ended the gospel continues and it continues through us and so we're going to look at that today we'll complete our first book study today as a church it's it's an exciting marker a milestone so you know it's been an incredible year watching as God has built this church hasn't it and some of you guys have been here since the start Uh, We've got member 001 over here, uh, and um, we have uh, those who have been with us uh, kind of joined in at some point in the midst, or maybe you're here today and this is your first Sunday, and we love all of you, and we are so excited about what God has done and what we're believing God to do in our future, and so we as a church have been shaped by the Word of God. We will continue to be shaped by the Word of God. We, as a church, go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Bible. And we plan to teach this way for years to come as we seek to give you the whole counsel of God's Word. That is our desire. And we are a Bible-teaching, Jesus-loving, Spirit-filled church. And if you're into that, awesome. Because that's what we're into here, okay? Amen. Amen. Next week, you guys, we enter into a four-week vision series, which is going to be a little bit different than what we're used to, you know, going verse by verse. These are going to be somewhat more topical messages, but we we feel that this is appropriate in order to communicate some of the vision and the mission that we are asking God to do in this region. And we want to talk about the things that we believe God wants to do both in us as a church and through us as a church, okay? So Please, make sure you're here the next four Sundays. We're going to start that next week. Um, if you have to miss a Sunday, uh, go and listen to those messages online. Um, just, We really believe that this is an important next month, next four weeks as a church. And we're going to end it on October 3rd with a one-year celebration. We're going to cook up some tacos. We're going to throw a party. It's going to be really fun, fun for the full family, okay? Alright, that's the plan. Now, if this is your church, again, it's important to be here as we continue into this series. But today we get to finish the Gospel of Mark. So open your Bibles, I already said that, to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16. Let's read now from verse 15 to the end of the Gospel. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe: in my name they will cast out demons; they will speak in new tongues; they will pick up serpents with their hands, and they will drink and they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Okay, so last Sunday was epic. We proclaimed that Jesus is alive, that he conquered sin and death and the devil when he rose from the grave, and he appeared to witnesses, eyewitnesses to the fact that Jesus was alive. He first appeared to the women who went there early in the morning that first Sunday and saw that the tomb was empty. He then showed himself alive to the disciples who, look, he had to kind of press through their unbelief, right? And then he went on to Galilee, and he appeared to over 500 witnesses at one time. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15. So Jesus being alive is historical and verifiable. There is undeniable proof that Jesus is who he said he is and that he did what he said he would do. We can look to the Scriptures to see these. And what we have seen so far in the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus is the Son of God, a.k.a. God the Son. And that He lived a sinless life, and He died a sinner's death, and He rose from the dead to give sinful men and women, just like you and me, the gift of eternal life. And this is the Gospel This is what we have been declaring week after week as we've been going through this gospel. And look, the way that Jesus chose to spread this message, as I said, the gospel doesn't end. The gospel continues to move out, is that he chose to empower men and women, men and women just like you and me, to go into the whole creation and to proclaim this gospel. And we see here that he commissioned those first disciples that we've been reading about in this gospel. And look, aren't we thankful for the faithfulness of those first believers that Jesus commissioned? If you think about it, the fact that they took that message, that Jesus died and was buried and rose from the dead, has now made its way all the way to Palos Verdes, California in 2021. It's because of the faithfulness of each generation taking the gospel to places where it has not gone. And how this happened truly is because of what we're going to talk about today. In that believers in Jesus have been commissioned by Jesus. And that God has empowered believers by his Holy Spirit to go and to tell the gospel. It started from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth to the glory of the Father. And we have been commissioned with this same work. Amen, church? Amen. We are to take this message of the gospel out from these four walls and into the world that we go. Are you excited about doing that? Yeah? Good. Because going with the gospel and telling people of the good news of jesus is something that ought to get you excited i I hope it isn't look if if you're here today in in all honesty you're bringing the real you to the real jesus you're kind of saying i I don't know that i'm so stoked as you seem to be about taking the gospel to the world (laughs) right now before we Get into this which I'm really excited to talk about the great commission of us taking the gospel I want to talk about something from the text because as a Bible teacher I I think it's right to do this and what we see in the gospel of mark here at the end of this gospel is that There has been some textual differences where people actually wonder whether or not What we're going to be studying today should or should not be in our Bibles Now, I don't plan to spend much time here. I even debated as to whether I would even bring this up, but depending on what version of the Bible you have, I have right here, my Bible is um, on R.L. Allen. It's bound in highland goat skin. Um, It was published by Crossway and it is an ESV version. And at the bottom of my Bible page for Mark 16 verse 20, which is page 1399, has a little footnote there at the bottom that talks about these manuscripts uh, for the Gospel of Mark. And this is, this is what it reads. Some manuscripts end the book with Mark 16:8, while others include Mark 9 through 20 immediately after verse 8. A few manuscripts insert additional material after verse 14. One Latin manuscript adds after verse 8, and then it gives a verse. And then other manuscripts include the same wording after verse 8, and then continue to verse 9 through 20. And you're like reading this, and what? And you might be thinking, with all this talk about manuscripts, and some manuscripts having these verses, and then other manuscripts not having these verses, I mean, isn't this the Bible? Isn't this uh, God's living word that is reliable for godly living? So should these verses, verse 9 through 20, be in my Bible or should they not? And what is the deal with these different manuscripts? Now the reason why there's even a note here is because the two earliest manuscripts that we have for the Gospel of Mark, which is the Codex Sinaiticus In the Codex Vaticanus, that might be interesting to you. It might not be that interesting to you. But the way that Bible translators and scholars like to translate the Bible into English, because you know that the Bible wasn't written in English, right? Paul did not speak English, not even King James English. He wrote in the common language. The New Testament was wrote in Koine Greek. And you can go back, I can't read Greek, but I can read those who do. And, and that's, that's what I was taught by my pastor. You, you might not be, know how to read the Greek, but you can read the people who do know. And, and, and I don't know so much about the whole Codex Sinaiticus and Codex Vaticanus. I, I did my research and I did my studies. And I believe that verse 9 through 20 should be in our Bibles. And I'm going to give you four simple reasons for why I think it should be there, okay? You can do your own research. You can come and talk to me about this if this interests you. But here are four reasons why Mark 16, 9 through 20 should be in the canon of Scripture, and I hope it settles any concerns you might have. Reason number one is because there are thousands of manuscripts that contain verse 9 through 20. And yes, they are later copies and the original most earliest copies we have do not contain these verses. However, those thousands of other manuscripts are still reliable and are still accurate. Reason number two, there were some early church leaders who were aware of and wrote about verse 9 through 20 in their writings, which predates the Codex Sinaiticus and the Codex Vaticanus. So if you're going with the early scene, these these guys were mentioning it in their writing. Reason number three, and this has to be my favorite, is imagine if the gospel of Mark ended at verse 8. Can I read Mark chapter 16, verse 8 for you? Imagine if the gospel of Mark ended this way. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." the end <laughs> just doesn't seem right and, and and look there is this sort of weird gap or jump from verse 8 to verse 9 in, in the original language but it just it doesn't seem right to just end at verse 8 and the fourth reason which is an important one is this is that there is nothing here in mark chapter 16 verse 9 through 20 that isn't taught somewhere else in the scriptures such as Matthew 28 which is the parallel account of what we'll be studying today or things that we find in the book of Acts. So, by having Mark 16:9 through 20 in your Bible, we're not adding anything new, such as new doctrines that you can't find somewhere else in the Bible, and we can also say that by not having Mark chapter 16 verse 9 through 20, we don't lose anything. We don't lose some important doctrine that we can't find somewhere else in the scriptures. With that said, I believe Mark chapter 16, verse nine through 20 should be in our Bibles and it should seem obvious because I'm about to teach on it right now, okay? And so are you ready to get into the word of God? Amen. I think this is an important thing to bring up because listen, friends, the word of God is reliable. It is trustworthy. And you can go to the ancient manuscripts and you can see that, that, that it is a miracle from God that we have his revelation to us and it can be trusted amen you can build your life on this book amen amen let's get into it verse 15 he said to them go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation so who did Jesus say this to well we saw in verse 14 that he appeared to his disciples who were reclining at a table And he came to these guys after they had already seen two groups of witnesses who testified that Jesus was alive. The first were the women. They had seen Jesus alive, and they came and told the men. And and those 11 disciples didn't believe it. And then we see these two disciples who met Jesus on the road. They came back and appeared to the eleven and said, Jesus is alive. But they were still sitting back, reclining at their table, wallowing in their unbelief. They did not believe the testimonies of others. And then when Jesus shows up, he rebuked them for their unbelief. And look, aren't we thankful That Jesus didn't rebuke his disciples in verse 14. And then we read, and Jesus ascended to heaven, and the last interaction that he had with his disciples was that he rebuked them. I'm thankful that that wasn't the case, but what I'm also thankful for is the fact that I have a God who rebukes me. Because listen, I need to be rebuked from time to time. I don't know about you. I need to be rebuked for sitting back at the table, as it were, not being active in my faith, not responding as I should to the fact that Jesus is alive. I need to be rebuked from time to time because I am not always moved by the gospel as I should. And so Jesus did come. He did rebuke his disciples for their unbelief, for not being moved by the gospel. And Jesus will do that for you today if you need that. If you have sort of hardened your heart in unbelief, today you need to believe God. And you need Jesus to speak to you, and maybe it is a loving rebuke because we have Jesus who is God who leads us with grace and truth. And it's a double-edged sword, man. You need grace, but you need truth spoken to you. And Jesus did that right before he ended his time on the earth. He, he ended his time, though not with a rebuke, but rather Jesus left his disciples with a command and with a command to move in faith with the promise that he would empower them. He said to those disciples who had been fearful and unbelieving to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. We read in Mark chapter 20, uh, Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, the parallel account of this great commission. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, Mark chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 28 are what have been called the Great Commission. And notice it is not called the Great Suggestion. And please be aware that if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that if you are not fulfilling your part of the Great Commission, then you are committing what the Bible says is a sin of omission. And a sin of omission is not doing what you know God has commanded you to do. And we know That God has commanded that all believers go into all the world to proclaim the gospel. Now, let's just make sure this morning that we all know what God has called us to do. And and let's be sure that we're not putting any obstacles in the way of simply being faithful to do what God has simply commanded of us. Let's not overcomplicate this, okay? Textual differences in early manuscripts might be complicated. But the Great Commission is not complicated. We're going to talk about how we have been sent and empowered by Jesus. We're told to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. That is what Jesus said to do. So what is he saying? Is Jesus saying that you need to get on an airplane and you need to go do missions work in another nation? That's certainly included, right? God does call some Christians to take the gospel from where they are into a far-reaching place to people who have not been told or who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we thank God that there have been faithful men and women throughout the history of the church who have taken the gospel to places where it, it risks their lives to do so. And there are people still today who continue to do that and bless those men and women who do so. And perhaps that might be a calling that God does have upon your life. You know, have you ever been open to the idea that God would call you and send you to a different place to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who have not heard or have not known that Jesus died and was buried and rose again. You, you, you could potentially say, God, if you would want to call me, I am open to your calling. It's a wonderful thing when we see this happen and we want to be a church that sends. If you begin to pray that prayer, if we as a church begin to pray the prayer of not so much as what we will do as we gather, but what we will do as we scatter what we will do as we go from Palos Verdes to the South Bay, to California, to the United States, and to the ends of the earth. This is our Jerusalem, and we will be sent from this place to take the gospel. But look, the idea of the command to go into all the world doesn't necessarily have the idea that you need to leave one place and go to another, although again that is included, but it really has this idea. As you are going into all your world, proclaim the gospel. So friends, what is your world? Is your world Monday through Friday at PV or Penn High? Proclaim the gospel. Is your world Going to the baseball field or the soccer field on Saturday with your kids? Proclaim the gospel. Is your world going to the store, uh, talking on a customer service line with someone, driving the neighborhood kids around for errands, picking up food from your favorite to-go place, visiting your family in the final years of their lives? Proclaim the gospel. Is your world Youth ministry Women's ministry Men's ministry Because yeah there's a world in the church and, and we bring the gospel here But there is a world outside the church And both worlds Need the proclamation of the gospel Again From Palos Verdes to the South Bay To California to United States To the ends of the earth We are to proclaim the gospel Okay Here's what you might potentially be thinking right now. Daniel, I understand you, and I've heard this before, but it's not as easy as you're making it seem. You are a pastor. You proclaim the gospel for a living, and you're good at it. I'm not good at it. This stuff just absolutely freaks me out. You know, I, I might proclaim the gospel a little bit here and a little bit there, but, but not as much as I know that I should and, and not as much as I would want to. So, so why, why don't you just ease up a little bit? Why, why are you preaching this message of the proclamation of the gospel to the whole world? Don't you know that you're going to make me feel convicted? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Listen, do you think that the freshly rebuked disciples were all giddy about getting out there, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? No, I don't think so. In fact, I know so. Because Jesus would not let them get started on the Great Commission until they received power from outside themselves to accomplish what Jesus was sending them to do. Look in Acts chapter one, verse four through five. Right before Jesus ascended to heaven, he ordered that his disciples should not depart from Jerusalem. He said, do not go into all the world yet. Why? They needed to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? We read in Acts chapter one, verse four through five. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus ordered his disciples that they could not and they should not try To fulfill what Jesus was commanding them to do without first being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Listen right now, church. I am absolutely convinced that if we as a church want to see the gospel reach into this world with great power and effectiveness, we need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We need the continuous and ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you stick around this church long enough, I believe you are gonna discover exactly what we are talking about. That Jesus has promised, it is a promise of the Father that you can have the Holy Spirit to empower you for the Great Commission. He is a Father who loves to give the Holy Spirit when his children ask him. Now when we look back in Mark, we see that that everything Jesus says after this, this command to go and to proclaim the gospel, it, it has everything to do with authority and provision and empowerment given. Here's a principle in the kingdom of God. When God commands, He also enables. He will not tell you to do something without supplying you with the power to do it. And if God has told us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, will he not supply us with the power for it? Let's look in Mark 16. Because it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. The result of the disciples being empowered and sent into the world is that people would believe. Let me read to you Romans chapter 10, verse 14 through 15 in the New Living Translation. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So when we stand up today on our two feet from sitting in your chairs today, we are gonna go into the world and you know what God has for you to do, don't you? You know what he has commanded. And if you need the power to do it, then pray while you're here today in this church where God would love to pour out his spirit upon you and ask him that he would fill you with his spirit so that you can boldly and effectively proclaim Jesus Christ to lost people to see them saved and baptized. Let's not overcomplicate this. It says, whoever believes, which means that this message is for all people and it says that whoever believes and is baptized, meaning that once a person believes, they will identify with Jesus in both his death and resurrection through water baptism. So whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, let's get this right. It is the believing that saves you. The baptism is an outward sign of the inward work. This verse does not teach that baptism is required for salvation. And I'm not even going to make a case for that right here. The Bible is clear enough. Because whoever does not believe will be condemned. Believe what? In baptismal regeneration? No. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, And that he gave himself on a cross for your sins and rose from the dead to give you the gift of eternal life and if you've rejected that you're rejecting God's best way as I've been saying of how he knows to tell you he loves you and if you've rejected that then you're an unbeliever and the Bible says you are condemned and I don't condemn you Jesus has not condemned you you have chosen your condemnation The condemnation comes from your own sin that you choose to live in. And I pray to the Lord of heaven and earth that no one in this room today would get up on their two feet and walk out of this church today with any condemnation. There is no condemnation, whether you think that I'm condemning you for not preaching the gospel enough, there's no condemnation for sin because in Christ there is therefore now no longer any condemnation. We are in Christ and we are uh, pleased to serve our God. Now, if you believe the gospel, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why? Because you have believed. Now, as soon as I say those words, I kind of want to, whoa, oh, hold on. So, so all, I'm, all you're saying is I have to believe and then I'm saved. I don't have to be baptized? Great. I don't have to be baptized. I just have to believe. Then I don't have to be baptized. Oh, so all I have to do is believe. I don't need to go out and proclaim the gospel. I can kind of choose whether or not I want to go proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. Okay, all I have to do is believe and I'm saved. Oh, dear friends. If you read the Bible, you will see, you will see that if there is nothing that you are doing to show your belief, The Bible warns you. Let us show our belief through baptism and through the proclamation of the gospel. We have an inflatable hot tub. Rob's got a swimming pool. There is a wonderful Pacific Ocean. And if you are a believer and you have not been baptized, let's do it. And if you need power from outside yourselves to be a bold and effective witness for jesus christ we would love to pray that the holy spirit would come upon you if there is nothing that we are doing nothing that we are seeking The scriptures warn us. In verse 17, Jesus went on to say, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And here Jesus says that these signs would accompany those who believe. That these signs will go with us. And if you're honest, you're kind of interested in this list right and i'm just going to quickly go through them okay first they will cast out demons on december 27th i taught a message from mark chapter 5 verse 1 through 20 on jesus in demons and if you want to learn about demons and the authority that we have in christ to cast out demons go online and you can listen to that message done they will speak with new tongues In the book of Acts, when the Spirit of God came upon those first 120 disciples in that upper room, we see that they spoke with tongues. We also see later in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the direct and clear teaching from Scripture on what this gift of the Holy Spirit is. And if you have questions about the gift of tongues, you can speak to any of our young adults because I just taught on it a couple weeks ago. Raise your hand if you know about the gift of tongues biblically. Right here, these guys, all of them right Go talk to them if you have questions. All right? I'm going to clarify this one real fast. The, the, the gift of tongues can be a sign of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. But let's get this straight from the Word of God. It is not the sign that you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is an error in teaching. The, the, the sign, the guaranteed sign that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit is that you are a bold and fruitful witness for Jesus Christ in the world. Amen? Amen. They will pick up serpents with their hands and they will drink any deadly poison and it will not hurt them. And, and is there anyone in the congregation I can point to for this one? You said, if, if okay, no, no? Anyone picking up serpents with their hands? No? Okay, good. You shouldn't do that. <coughs> But if we go to the New Testament, for instance, in the book of Acts, where Paul was shipwrecked on an island called Malta, and he was going around and he was collecting firewood to stay warm because it was all wet and he just swam from a shipwreck, that a snake jumped out, bit him on the hand, and he shook this deadly and poisonous snake into the fire, and all the natives were just like, when's he gonna croak? They were waiting for him to die, and when Paul did not die, the, the islanders began to worship him as if he was a god. And then he used it as an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Now, handling serpents, drinking poison in it, not hurting you, might seem strange in our modern and western minds, yes. But for many missionaries throughout the ages, this is a wonderful provision from the Lord. <laughs> this does not mean that we go drink poison and pick up snakes. Do not test the Lord. But it says these signs will follow those who believe, not those who believe will follow these signs. The latter is dangerous. We follow Jesus, not the signs. And the last sign is that they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. God at various times will grant by his Holy Spirit gifts of healing and God can and does miraculously heal people and the scriptures instruct us in james chapter 5 that if anyone among us is sick let him call for the elders of the church and we will anoint with oil and we will pray for the sick there is anointing oil in both those boxes over there and if you're ever sick you can come and we would lo- love to lay hands upon you and pray for healing because god sometimes does miraculously heal now do all cast out demons do all speak with tongues do all pick up serpents and drink poison do all lay hands on the sick and recover well, all believers potentially could, but not all believers indeed do. Listen, to be a believer does not mean that we will experience all of these things. These signs may accompany you, they may follow you, so baptisms, casting out demon, tongues, snake handling, healings, those things don't make you a believer, What makes you a believer is that you've believed in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died on a cross for your sins and rose from the dead to crush sin, death, and the devil. And once you are a believer, you come to realize that these signs that may accompany your new life that none of these things ought to be strange to you because you realize that there is a power and a provision that follows you because you are a new creation and a citizen of heaven. Amen? Amen. So read your Bible and base what you are expecting to follow your life as a believer from the word of God. Jesus said these signs would follow those who are active in his commissioning. Because again, if God sends you to a remote village to proclaim the gospel, then you want the part about snakes and poison to be in your Bible. And then verse 19, so then the Lord Jesus Christ, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So beautiful because Jesus left heaven so that his helper could come. See, if Jesus remained on the earth, he could only be in one place at one time. But because he ascended to heaven, it was better so that the Holy Spirit could be in all places at all times because the Spirit of God indwells believers in Jesus. And so Jesus was taken into heaven, and that's where he is right now. He sat down, which is a posture that speaks of his work being complete. And he's at the right hand of God which speaks of the authority that he has which is absolute. And he's in heaven right now and he's praying for us as we've gathered this morning. And he's praying that we would take what we've heard today and take it to others. We have been commissioned by Jesus today. This wasn't just for those disciples who heard it then. It is for us today. And so those disciples, praise be to God, that they didn't stay reclined at a table in unbelief, in hardness of heart. And I pray for you that you would not remain reclined in your chair, taking in the gospel and it never coming back out through you. And then verse 20, they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. As we end here this morning, and as you get up on your two feet today and walk out those doors and into your world, you are either going to live out Mark chapter 16, verse 8, or you're going to live out Mark chapter 16, verse 20. So if you want to leave here today and live out Mark chapter 16, verse 8, this is what it says. And they went out and fled the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And too many believers today are living Mark 16, 8, where they are going out and saying nothing to anyone because they live in fear. Fear of what people might think, fear of what people might say, or fear of what people might do to you. Or you can pray to the Holy Spirit to come upon you to make you a bold witness of the gospel because he has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and of a sound mind. You can walk out these doors today on those two beautiful feet of yours and live out Mark chapter 16, verse 20 that says, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can, on your two feet today, go out and God could open your mouth to boldly declare the gospel? By all means, live it with your life, but speak it with your mouth. The Lord wants to work with you. He wants to confirm the message by accompanying signs, and he wants to empower you today as his messenger. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon our church today that, that as Ben-Kai said, God would sweep through this region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you for those who have had open hearts and ready minds to hear what you have spoken by your living word. Thank you, Jesus, that for those of us, myself included this week, I needed to hear a little bit of a rebuke from Jesus because I am not always moved by the fact that Jesus is alive and by the fact that he sent his spirit to empower me to be a witness. So God, thank you that you've moved me this week. I pray you would move my friends this week. I pray, Lord, that we would continue with the ongoing, continuous filling with the Holy Spirit that we may go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have heard and we know, help us, Lord, not to make this complicated, but to simply be obedient to what you have commanded of your people. And thank you that when you command, you also enable. So God, send your people out today on those two beautiful feet of theirs. In Jesus' name, amen.